0: Welcome to episode 29 of the Writing Africa podcast. It's a blockbuster one as we say goodbye to author, poet, playwright, and academic Ama Atta Aidu and South African writer, political analyst, journalist, and broadcaster Eusebius Makaiser. We'll also be chatting about the prizes the Kendraka Prize, the Arab League Short Story Prize, and the Brooklyn Caribbean Literary Festival Short Story Contrast. As, as we recommend that you read Caribbean books during this Ready Caribbean month, it's a special treat. We have an interview this week. We caught up with Nobel laureate Abdul Razak Gurna at the Frankfurt Book Fair in 2022. I want to say thank you to our friends at the Frankfurter Bookmesser for making this interview happen. Enjoy so let's get to the news um it's been a really shitty time for us in the african literary community on the 30th of may we got word that um south african you know writer, political analyst journalist broadcaster podcaster he's got a podcast eusebius mckiser Mac- had passed away uh, for those of you who didn't know this car this individual He's one of the biggest media personalities in South Africa. Uh, he was also a lover of writing and he wrote books. Uh, some of the books he wrote, A Bantu in my bathroom, debating race, sexuality, and other Uncomfort- Un- uncomfortable South African topics. That was 2012. Could I vote D.A., A Dilemma, that was 2014. And his most recent was Run, Racist Run, Journeys into the Heart of Racism. And this is a man who was, he, he featured on radio, he featured on TV. He was big on the internet, and um, the, the African literary community, and the South Africa and the African community, you know, is is we mourn with his family. He's survived by his uh, his partner. My condolences to his family and his friends. And uh, may Eusebius rest in peace. We got that information. He died on May thirtieth, and we're like, okay, this is really sad. And then May thirty first, we got even worse news. One of the matriarchs of African letters. Ama Ata Aidu, you know, poet, playwright, former Minister of Government, she passed away in Accra. She was not well. She passed away after a short illness. And uh, she's survived by her daughter, Kina Likimani. Kina Likimani is also well known in the literary in the literary circles because she also has her own writing. Of course, as a Kenyan, I, you know, we have a connection to Ama Ata Aidu. When she finished college, she came to Kenya. She she was, you know, she was she fell in love with a Kenyan, Pasali Likimani, and they got a child. And she she taught here in Kenya for a couple of years before she left the country. Part of her writing career, she, she did a lot of things, apart from academia, she was a professor. Also had her own writing. You know, books uh, she wrote were like Anoa, 1970, the, uh, No Sweetness Here, which is a short, uh, short story collection, 1970, Our Sister, our sister Kill, Killjoy or Reflections from A Black Eyed Squint, 1977. This is actually one of the most uh, seminal titles to come out of the continent in the 1970s and, and ever, actually. Someone talking to sometime 1986, the Eagle and the Chickens and other stories 86, Birds and Poems 87, an angry letter in January 1992, changes you know, a love story 91, which won the Commonwealth Prize, which you in know the, in the 90s the Commonwealth Prize was a very important uh, literary prize. The Girl Who Can and other stories 97, diplomating Pounds and other s- stories, and uh, she also edited the anthology Love African Love Stories in in 2016. Now. I, I don't think I can explain. the 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 messages have been coming from all over the world because this is one of the most influential writers that has ever written. Uh, she was a strong supporter of feminism, and and it came and and African women, and it came out in her books. You know, a lot of her protagonists were strong women. I really cannot say how sad I am that she's passed on. Uh, in the last few years of her life, she, you know, we gave her her flowers. You know, we were we were giving her headliner. She was a headliner at our care festival. She was doing live events because we. We all we kind of recognize that she was she died at 81, and we recognize that this is a very important person to us. I mean, we, we needed to recognize her in her later years, and this is what, what we did. So, literally, community, please thank you for what you did for our mother, for our grandmother, for her, um, depending on what age you are. And, Kinalib uh, Kimani, my condolences to you and the rest of the family, and to the rest of us, we're mourning. So that was uh, a short, short say goodbye to Amat Idu. Um, there will be a lot of like tributes. There'll be a lot of events happening, you know, to say goodbye to our matri- matriarch, and uh, I'll try and keep you abreast of some of them. It's not easy because there's a lot of stuff have happening around around the person and the legacy of Amat Aidu, and we'll be we'll be looking out for that going forward. And it wasn't all, only death, of course. Um, my website, writing, writingafrica.com, went live this week. If you if you logged onto my live stream last uh, recently, you would have wondered why. I did, the thing is, the live stream, I had to make sure that the website was live, and the, the website went live on Monday. This is why we are doing this. You know, now we can chat about uh, what's happening. And the shorter version of this is, my, the hosting company was amazing. They realized my my dilemma. They made sure that they retained my content. I'm cleaning out my content now, so when you go to the website, you will see some some niggles, you know, some things. Sometimes you click a link, it doesn't go to the right place because it still goes to the old jamesmura.com. But I've tried to clean it up. I mean, some images are weird. So for the next couple of weeks, or even a couple of months, you'll you'll see as I clean up and make sure that the site, you know, is you know is up to standard, up to scratch as to what it used to be. So if you're logging on, it's writingafrica.com. We are live. We're posting during the week, every week, uh, Monday to Friday. And uh, that includes, you know, that's the news and what's happening. And I can talk about the deaths. We're talking about awards. We're talking about all these kind of things. So and oh, and this is really cool. In the previous period when I was working on my website, I seem to have lost the ability for people to subscribe and get news as and when it happens so this time I, I was fiddling around and i found that you know it seems that the there is an opportunity you can go to writingafrica.com and you can subscribe and whenever there's a new story you'll get to, you'll get information and you know what's happening so welcome to writingafrica.com it's gonna be amazing i hope for you for me i know i'm gonna just be giving you the best i can give you during the first week of every month what i normally do is i give you and of opportunity speech, so I tell you what what kind of things are you know available for you to if you're interested in um if you're a writer who's interested in knowing what's happening what's happening if you're a poet you know the prizes that are out for you the journals that are looking out people are looking out for the literary journals that are looking for entries or literary prizes that are looking for entries. And, um, you know, I posted that this week. You know, we have magazines like The Flute, Account, Accounts, Fictive, African Literature Today, Taco Bell, Afrocritic, The Colonial Passage. And then, of course, uh, you know, we have the prizes like, you know, Pré-Avoir, Prize, Safar, Cornell, Chino Achebe, uh, Savage Prize for Literal Criticism, Mijan, African... So there's a lot of awards. So if you just go to writingafrica.com, post goes down because I regularly post up. But check out that and uh just and just search for search for opportunities It should be one of the first uh, and of course remember to subscribe as we're talking about the opportunities i, I, I want to talk about a few of the opportunities that are currently okay some of them are closed but um in the last few days you know we've been getting like all these prizes are telling us they're judges um like the kendecker prize for african literature which you know, which has been won in the last two years by uh, Jenny in Botswana in in 2021, and then Scholar Mora, a chairman. Uh, full disclosure. This year, the prize is going to be judged by Natasha Mokodi and Kalolo Banda, she's Zambian, uh, Richard Ali, the Nigerian, and Basami Mucha, the Kenyan. And um, I mean, all of them are writers, uh, and they'll be looking for the, the best short story. And at the end of the process, somebody will win a 100,000 shillings, which is around. Used be it used to be hundred. It used to be a thousand dollars, but the Kenya kind of shilling has really gone down. Maybe a, maybe maybe like eight hundred and fifty or nine hundred dollars, one hundred thousand shillings. I believe now they are uh, going through the process. The the, the cutoff ended. Another short, another short story prize that you know people are have been eligible for was the Arab Arabi short story prize. I really like this prize. It's um. It was organized by arably.org which is, you know, which is from Marcia. And arably is basically a a website on Arab literature in English translation. So you know the translations are in Arabic and then they go to English. And they started a prize where the winner gets five hundred dollars written in Arabic and it's also written in English. So that the, the, the people who are reading the, the judges who are reading will, will judge the, both the translation and the, the origin of the translation. This year, the judges are, in the previous winner, Shakir Mustafa, acclaimed author-translator Yasmin Zodi, and uh, short-story writer Muhammad El-Hajj. So, yeah, we, we are looking for, out for those. And then, of course, we're, we're going to move to the w- west of the world, you know, the, to the Brooklyn Caribbean Literary Festival Short Story Contest, and the British Caribbean Beer Literary Festival, as you can hear. Here is uh, a literary festival in Brooklyn, that focuses on Caribbean writers. And what they do is that they have two prizes within, the, within them. You know, One is the is Elizabeth Nunes Prize for Writers in the Caribbean. The judges this year are going to be Sherry Jones, Sharma Taylor, and Roe Johnson. And then they have the Caribbean American Writers' Prize with Vanessa Riley, Merle Collins, and Fabienne Joseph Josephat, And um, they are also accomplished in their fields. Talking about the Caribbean, this is uh, June's Read Caribbean Month. You know, it was introduced in 2019 by... Uh, Cindy Alman, she's a Jamaican living in Trinidad and Tobago, and um, the, the idea of reading Caribbean month was to encourage people to read books by Caribbean nationals, peoples of Car- Caribbean heritage, books about the Caribbean, and books set in the Caribbean. And you know, narr- writing Africa is not just about Africa and the continent, but Africa and the diaspora as well. So we recommend, if you can, please. Huh? We we have the you know the former writers um, people who were writing books. In the past, like uh, Derek Walcott and Kamau Braithwaite. And then now we have the next generation, you know, Celeste Mohamed uh, and uh, Kai Miller and a bunch of new writers. And a lot of them are of African descent. So uh, we want to recommend you check out. You, if you can, please share. The, on Instagram, it's hashtag ReadCaribbeanMonth or Read Caribbean, And, uh, you know, share with the rest of the community that you're supporting other African descent writers. I'm going to end this live stream talking a bit about a, about a festival that happens in Nairobi in Kenya called the Sigana International Storytellers Festival. The organisers of the festival are really not great with the information. Getting information about from them is like pulling teeth. From Monday, you know, they've been doing schools, they've been doing other venues, and on Friday, they'll be at the Little Theatre. They're the Little Theatre in Mombasa, so they're going to be in Mombasa this year, not in, not in Nairobi like they normally are. They're all going to be in Mombasa doing their presentations. They're going to be doing storytelling for the kids as well as adults. So if you have a minute, uh, especially my friends in Mombasa, please check out uh, the Sigana Festival in uh, the Sigana Festival in uh, Little Vita in Mombasa. And now we get to the interview section. Today we've got a blockbuster with Abdulrazak Gurner, Nobel laureate for literature 2021. I met the uh, Professor Gurner at three venues in 2022. I met him at the Makondo Festival in Nairobi, Kenya. I met him at the Frankfurter Buchmesse in Germany in Frankfurt, and I met him at the Arke Festival in Lagos, Nigeria. Mm. Now, I tried to do the interviews, but the Frankfurt one is where I actually cornered him in a in a corridor somewhere and we had a 5-minute chat about the industry that he belongs to we talked about you know some of the writers that are coming out right now we talked about what is the reason for the gap between writing that came out in the 1960s 70s and in the last 15 years we talked about how maybe this we need to look at expanding what it, african literature means it's not just writing that came out in the last 50 60 years and it was a really really good conversation I'll just apologize about the quality of the sound. As I said, we were sitting in a corridor somewhere, basically doing this, and uh, you might not hear the quality at the highest level. But I felt that this interview still needed to be shared, and I think that you might find it very useful, especially if you're finding more information about this Nobel laureate. So, ladies and gentlemen, Abu Gurna and joy. Uh, prof first thank you for agreeing to do the interview
1: Oh, it's a pleasure to do it
0: uh, you you've been uh, I'm, i hope you've been having a good time at the frankfurt book fair because you know i'm doing the interview here uh how has the fair been for
1: you well it's very busy and very cool. yeah a lot of people here uh and all the events have been very good you know many people turning up lots of books being sold it's great
0: um well now now that you're the you're here, you're reading your your year of terror as uh, no Norris <laughs> is over <laughs> somebody else is taking so what is next for you now
1: it's not quite over uh, because what, one of the great things that happened as a result of the Nobel Award is uh, so many new editions are now appearing in different languages and so on and that's still going on and of course if, if uh, like here I'm here partly because the Penguin uh, Verlag, publishers here in Germany, uh, have just uh, released Afterlives in German translation. So there is a certain amount of um, obligation, I think, as I say it, that when a pub, when a new edition comes out and they say, come, we want you to come and do a little bit of promotion work here. So I think that will go on for a little bit longer. Nice.
0: Yeah. Okay, um, we, we we almost met in Macondo, but... Uh, how was Makondo, which was this happening a few, a few days ago?
1: I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the... Um, with, with festivals, if they work, you enjoy meeting other writers. So that was one thing. Some I already met before, some are new to me. But most of all, just meeting the, the people who are coming to the uh, festival. A lot of young people, as well as not so young, but a lot of young people, that's always encouraging because it means that the young people are reading, are interested, they care. So many of them themselves want to become writers. And, so I, and it was nice to be back. Back to your Nairobi. home. <laughs> yeah. Well, my home is Zanzibar, of course. But, uh, but I, I have visited Nairobi several times, but not
0: recently. So it was nice to be back in Nairobi. Um, you, you're talking about meeting other writers. And I know um, a lot of the writers were there, much, much younger than your generation. Uh, people in their 40s and 50s and 30s. Um, have you following the, Have you been following the African literary community on what they have been doing in the last fifteen years? Well, yeah, sure. Because I've
1: been teaching um, African and post colonial, but Af- including some African writers in that uh, category, of course, for forever. I did my PhD on African writing, so it's a sub- it's my subject as you were. I've been studying it and so. On. In addition to that, there are various people that work you come across um, your uh, Yvonne aliamboa for example, whose, whose um, story, uh, The Wait of Whispers, of Whispers. Yeah, I remember, because I was judging the K Prize that year, and we gave it to her, and since then I've been uh, watching to see how her work has grown, and now it's just magnificent work. Uh, someone who wasn't there, but who's also, I think, a very important actor, writer is Madame Giste, the Ethiopian writer, she was there at Makondo. She regretted not being at Makondo when she found out that it was going on, but then it was a little late. I think her work's very good. Nadifa Muhammad, the Somali uh, writer, Somali British, I suppose, well, who was there and uh, contributed, I think, in a very, very bright way. Her work is very good too. Um, so they're, they're women as well. I like that, that these are young women writers. Uh, who, are, who are making an international reputation for themselves, but are all of them talking about Kenya, Ethiopia, Somalia? So they haven't, they may not be living there all the time, but they haven't left their homes,
0: if you like, or their connection to home. You were you a professor in uh, Nigeria for a couple of years. Are, are you still following the Nigerian scene? Uh, who are some of the people you think we need to be looking out for?
1: Uh, not, not really. Uh, apart from those that, as uh, become better known outside of Nigeria, so I'm not familiar with what's going on in Nigeria very much. Although I am going to the Ake festival next month, and no doubt I will be better educated after that. We'll be able to to say last year's Ake, which was um, which was uh, what is it? We say these days, which was done uh, digitally or something like that. Uh, I I participated in that and I know when they sent me the catalogue of who was taking part uh, either in person or not many of those names were new to me and I think this is a great contribution that something like the literary festival like that here makes is that it both brings people out and it makes their work known to others like me who are interested but not always uh,
0: able to kind of access the during the independence periods, you know, in the '60s, there was a huge growth of you know the African literary community. It was really big, and something happened, which I don't understand. But for some reason, it, it went astray, and it's now coming together with more new spaces. Do you want to speak a bit to that? Because that's a, for me that's a knowledge gap. I don't know what really happened. It's difficult to be absolutely, sir.
1: But I think part of it was because some of that early, um, that incredible um, flowering, that incredible outburst, almost, of uh, literary uh, production, which happened uh, in the 60s, and perhaps also in up to maybe the mid-70s, almost, was uh, the work of, you know, in the long run, was the work of a small number of writers. I know there are many writers being published, but to some extent that was, that was um, maybe not always discriminating enough. Uh, so some of those writers maybe wrote one novel or maybe like, sometimes. But there, have been, there has been a, a group of writers, Chimachebe, of course, Shurika, Bugi, Nurin Farah, etc., who just kept producing and kept working. So. And they have survived, if you like, that period that you're thinking of as a big gap. So they're still writing, they're still being published, they're still important figures. Many others have disappeared, or at least have uh, kind of uh, gone into some kind of background. This happens to all writers. This happens to all sorts of uh, people. Uh, And then some of them will come back. But the reason might be that this was the work, in English anyway, this was the work of two or three publishing companies in the UK and quite possibly later on in the United States. The publishing in the UK was largely uh, um, targeting schools. So if a book is set for a school, it's thought that means the sales work. If it doesn't, it's simply because it disappears. Uh, so that dependence of the school market actually meant that after all, once you've got your curriculum program and you've got your five or six African books in there, you don't need any more. And so those those became, uh, you know, kind of standard texts that everybody read, and they weren't interested in getting any more. The difference in recent years is, I think, now there, are big, now there are many other different places which publish African writers. Largely because um, um, I suppose publishers have become alert to the importance of this writing. Also because um, maybe the writers themselves have become uh, interested in uh, a wider range of topics. Some of those early uh, writings, necessary writings, were very much about colonialism and the encounter with colonialism. And maybe the there are more of us in the outside world, you know. So, the, so there the are readers uh, in in Europe and in North America and in elsewhere um, who want to read African writing, who themselves may be from Africa, or who just simply want to write because they become alerted to its existence. Uh, I think these are the reasons why there is a now uh, uh, a new kind of. Uh, I wouldn't say movement because I suggest that they share targets, but there are so many uh, African writers now coming through, particularly young women writers. We've mentioned a few in our conversations. But you know, there are others, um, uh, uh, D.J., uh, Selassie, and others who are publishing mainly in the United States, as well as men as well are publishing in the United States. Others probably publishing in languages I don't know, you know, uh, to be German. Polish, I know there are some. So, in another few years, we'll be hearing more from all of these in Italian. There's certainly some were are uh, writing in Italian. And I think this is great. So, we're not dependent, the writers are not dependent on two or three uh, publishers whose work was important, but it was targeted to a, a very relatively
0: narrow market. Mm. I, I don't know if you've read uh, Mukoma Ngugi's The Rise of the African Novel where he, he speaks about, or well, we have an issue where people talk about the African writing space as like it started in the 1960s, but we should actually be reframing that. And I, and I had you mentioned this in the, the session where the, the literatures from the African continent didn't start in the 60s with that group, and uh, are a bit more expanded, you know, from the 20s, or from the 14 and 15 hundreds. Earlier, earlier. We yeah. can go earlier than that. Do you, want, do you want to speak a little bit to that?
1: Sure, sure. We can go earlier than that. If, if we think of, um, say, one of the most famous poems in Swahili uh, is Ali Kishafi, uh, which was probably seventeenth century, uh, and it came from Lamu. There is uh, the Utenzi wa Kupona, which is a nineteenth-century poem, uh, which also came from uh, from Pate. Um, so that area in northern Kenya. Hate and and Mubasa, uh, Miaka, for example, Mubasa was also another nineteenth-century uh, poet. And these were poem, poets writing Swahili, really, of course. Uh, so there is that. Then there is a later tradition of what you said in the nineteen twenties, going on into the fifties, with Shaban Robert and others. Um, that's not even thinking about what was there as uh, orally transmitted uh, poems, in particular uh, or stories. So, there is a great deal we don't know, because not enough work has been done to collect this. But if you, if you, if you even just think of what was known and transmitted and published eventually, because a poem like Ali Shafio Tenzo would have been known orally and transmitted orally, but since then, of course, their births—sorry, both those are uh, published. If you look at West Africa or South Africa, so Plyke's, uh yeah, it was uh, at the very least, I can't remember the exact date, but I think it was the turn of the century, the early 20th century. Uh, and of course, Plaki then became a secretary for the ANC as it was founded and then wrote uh, other books, not novels, but wrote other books uh, about the, the native, the native act, as it were, land, the land act that took away the right of property and all this um, but we now also know that there are other writings in other South African languages which are slowly coming through and being translated. West Africa, we go back to Ethiopian bound, which was again a 19th century text. Uh, maybe we want, we can't always celebrate this um, because they're not straightforward, because uh, a kind of consciousness of uh Africanness hadn't quite become clear, so people didn't always think of themselves in that way, uh, that notion of a kind of solidarity with other people who were colonized wasn't quite there yet. Yeah, you can keep going. You know, the you know, uh, as we come nearer, you know, the 1940s and 50s, you also have, uh, in the French-speaking part of Africa, you have all those other races, like Senghor, for example. Uh, the etc. There are lots, you just one problem we have, I think in Africa, is that there is not enough translation uh, either either way, either translation from uh, people writing in uh, uh, say European languages into say, or anything else, or the other way from African languages into other African languages or into English. There isn't enough of this.
0: And we can go on forever to say there isn't enough of this, but wow.
1: who should do it? Yeah. Who
0: should do it? You know, you talked a bit about like uh, the Western African, and uh, and I want to bring in a bit, a bit about the African diaspora, the, you know, the, the Caribbean and uh, and the Brazilian and uh, that part of the part of part of the Africans. Um, do you think that they are also influencing a bit of the way we are writing? Or
1: uh, I guess so. I mean, I think there is a reluctance on the part of some of the diasporic uh, writers to be, um, to associate themselves. And with some, they're happy to do it. Uh, I think the reason for it is something like uh, they want their, their full rights where they are and don't want to be seen to be saying that my real homeland is somewhere else. So there is this. I want, I want here, I want everything uh, that everybody has here. Um, I think so. I think they do have an influence, uh, to some extent. I would have thought somebody like James Baldwin, for example, would have been important to me. Uh, writers at some point, he said it was important to me. Um, and uh, writers like Walcott and Brathwaite from the Caribbean poets, I suppose mainly. Um, yeah, I think, it, but it's something that has scope to grow. There is more room for knowing more about uh, diasporic, in that respect, writers. But, you know, one thing at a time. Okay, so thank you so much for, for doing this interview. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you very much.